This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Oh, mama! What a play! Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right, welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast, our pre-Christmas edition. My name is Chris Plank. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. We have a pretty busy podcast uh, but obviously, we still have a little bit of time before we get to the games. So we'll talk a little bit about Auburn with Justin Ferguson, who covers the Tigers for SEC Country. Plus, we'll hear from Bob Stoops, who had what I thought was a pretty incredible press conference earlier this week. You'll hear that press conference in its entirety to wrap up the podcast. And, you know, it's been a very heavy time for the Sooner Nation with the loss of the legendary Jimbo Elrod. Jessica Cooty put together a phenomenal feature on the life and times of Jimbo Elrod. You can watch it right now at Soonersports.tv. We're going to give you the audio portion of that coming up here later on in the Sooner Sports podcast. As always, we appreciate you downloading the podcast. If you haven't subscribed yet, go to iTunes, search Sooner Radio Network, and you can find us. You can also find us on SoundCloud. And, of course, we have one easy way, Soonersports.tv slash podcast. There's several different ways to get involved. They're all laid out at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. You know, Toby uh, uploads all of the highlights from the football games and the basketball games. And if you subscribe through iTunes that way, then you'll get everything. But you can also search Oklahoma Sooner podcast and get just our shows. Whatever makes it easier for you, it's all online right Right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And I can't thank everyone enough for downloading, for listening, and for your feedback. We love to hear from you at OU on the air at Sooner Sports TV. Thanks for not only being diehard fans, but supporting the Sooner Sports Podcast. So what do you say? We get some things going here with a little bit about Auburn and learning more about the Tigers, whom the Sooners will face in the Sugar Bowl coming up here in a couple of weeks. You know, it's been a pretty wild couple of weeks at Auburn because they wrapped up the season pretty banged up, but they suddenly get healthy with Sean White back at quarterback, and then the news breaks about the newest addition at quarterback. When we had an opportunity to talk a little bit more in depth about the Auburn Tigers in preparation for the January 2nd Sugar Bowl, we asked Justin Ferguson about the newest member of the Auburn Tigers, Jared Stidham. Yeah, uh, Jared Stidham's definitely dominated the uh, the news cycle around here for the last few days. Um, clearly the biggest uh, pickup Auburn's had uh, probably in years. Uh, they needed a guy like him at quarterback for the future. Uh, however, uh, Auburn returns to the practice field today, this afternoon actually, uh, to start preparation for Oklahoma. So I think we're going to get a little bit more more uh, Sugar Bowl news uh, coming up help in me the th- next few days. Well, then help me kick start it a little bit, Justin. Do we expect Sean White to be back or not for the January 2nd showdown? Yeah, Sean White is expected to play. Um, Gus Malzahn said uh, a couple of days after the Iron Bowl that they felt like he could he could be back and, and, and play against Oklahoma. Um, and then earlier, uh, early last week, um, during the teleconference, uh, Malzahn said the same thing again, that he expected everybody for Auburn to be healthy, and that includes White. That's big news for Auburn because if when he's on the field and he's healthy, um, Auburn's offense just 
goes to a completely different level, and uh, they they're going at full health. Just look closer and closer to a top ten team this year, and that's what they're hoping because they're going to have to play at that level uh, to compete with Oklahoma this uh, in uh, January second. What is it that White provides? I mean, I'm not I'm not going to include. I don't even know if it's fair to include either one of the backups because Jeremy Johnson is he likes to stare down receivers from what I've seen Justin and is fairly inaccurate mm-hmm. and uh, John Franklin or JF3 whom we all fell in love with I think to a certain degree from last chance you this was a guy that is more of a of a running quarterback what what separated Sean White from the other two maybe three that were in that mix Sean White uh, did a great job this year of opening up uh, the short and intermediate passing game, especially on early downs. Uh, Auburn switched to uh, offensive play callers a week four, right when they turned their season around, that close win against LSU. Gus Malzahn usually calls plays for Auburn. He handed it off to his offensive coordinator and his protege, Rhett Lashley. And what Lashley did a good job of doing is building around white strengths, even more so than Malzahn did when he was kind of rotating quarterbacks around. Uh, he, he passed a lot in early downs just, just to open things up, um, you know, getting those second and short, third and short situations where Auburn could really uh, pin their ears back and run the ball right at opponents. And uh, he made good decisions with the ball. He didn't force things a lot. Uh, managed the game very well. And I know game manager is kind of a knock uh, that, that people like to use against quarterbacks. But he with a good rushing attack and a young receiving core, um, he did exactly what Auburn needed him to do, and when healthy, uh, this offense was really rolling with him. I I had a chance to cover Gus whenever he was at Tulsa uh, quite extensively because I was in Tulsa for the longest time, and you always kind of got this sense when you were around him that he was going to he was going to be a head coach at some point, and and obviously he's done a a really nice job. But I'm I'm real intrigued to kind of get a chance to maybe go more in depth on how different this guy is from the coordinator I watched in the 07 and 08 season to the head coach now in 2016. I know he's got Herb Hand back this year, who was with him at Tulsa for a time and then obviously bounced around. But just in the time that he's been the head coach, and I don't know, Justin, how far back your coverage goes, if it goes back to the offensive coordinator, to me, when you bring up he handed off play calling duties, that's a sign of growth, right? So what have you seen change in Gus Malzahn as the head coach of Auburn over the last couple of years? Absolutely. I started covering Auburn in 2012, so the year before he came uh, to to Auburn as a head coach um, and, and definitely had watched and followed the team when, when he was an offensive coordinator in, in uh, 2009 through 2011. And you're absolutely right. I think you've seen growth from Gus Malzahn. He he made his you know made his name in coaching as yeah. the offensive genius, as the guru that could call the plays, and nobody could really slow him down. Um, and I think it was a detriment in the last couple of years to the team overall uh, that he kind of was a little too focused on on offense, um, and and he said he wasn't there for all of his players and, and taking more of that CEO role. Um, he had talked about doing it uh, a couple years ago, but it never really clicked. And I think Auburn's one and two start made him evaluate some things. He he thought that you know Rhett Lashley was ready to call the plays. This is a guy who's basically an extension of Gus Malzahn. Played quarterback for him in high school. Has been with him for you know most of his college uh, coaching career. And yeah, he, you saw the growth in him. He's he's looking more and more like a head coach instead of just you know the offensive genius. Um, he's he's made some really good hires on the defensive side of the ball this year, um, and and has been a really good really good leader overall for the team, and uh, that's what Auburn needed. They 
always had the offensive talent. They always had the had the brain power there. Um, Auburn just needed to become a more well-rounded team. I think Malzahn took responsibility for that, and for the most of the of this season, uh, it turned out really well for him. Have you seen frustration though in the fact that what you're known for, you know, and and I think sometimes that you, you'll see this with guys like a, a Bob Stoops, even as a defensive background, when things don't go well defensively, you know, it, it might lead to some frustration. But has there been frustration when you have this quote unquote offensive guru whose offense seems to be sputtering and stru- uh, struggling at times? Yeah, there absolutely was especially at the beginning of the season. Auburn yeah. rotated a bunch of quarterbacks, you know, against Clemson, and that, that pretty much lost them the game. They had a good chance. They had a solid offensive game plan. Uh, they had a chance to knock off Clemson in week one, uh, and they just kept sputtering offensively. The problem was there last year. Toward the end of the season, it happened again, but that was more to do with injuries than anything. Uh, yeah, there are, there is frustration, um, and Auburn needed – I think I think what Miles on really needed and, and – not to go immediately back to Stidham. He needed more depth at some key spots this year, and I think that was a bigger knock on him this year. He wasn't prepared. He didn't really have a true backup plan behind White at quarterback. And, uh, you know, that came back and haunted him this year, and, and that's why they went so hard against Stidham. And uh, they're, they're still trying to get more quarterbacks in this upcoming class. Uh, but, yeah, there, the frustration was there this year. Not as much on strategy, more of just the roster and, 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 and building it. But he seems like he's uh, he's got some answers over the last few weeks in that area as well. Justin Ferguson, SEC Country, at Jay Ferguson, AU on Twitter. I don't want to get all bogged down talking Gus, the offense, and quarterbacks because obviously there is quite a story on the defensive side of the football. I We're, we're doing a, a show where we break down the, the Iron Bowl, and I know it wasn't the best offensive performance, but Javaris Davis was all over the place. Jonathan Ford seemed like he played well. But what stood out more than anything – is how the uh, defense really improved. I, I don't want to say it didn't skip a beat. I want to say it improved, Justin, from Muschamp to Kevin Steele, who really did a nice job with his defense. What's really stood out to you? Yeah, Kevin Steele, when he was hired at Auburn, a lot of people were were very, very you know skeptical of the hire. He hadn't done so well at LSU and Clemson. There were some issues there. But the thing about Kevin Steele and, and what made him work so so well is he runs the same kind of system that what Will Muschamp played. So Auburn's changed defensive coordinators. This is their fourth one in their last five years. But this is this one stayed to the same system, same kind of personnel, and just said, "All right, guys, we're going to simplify things and let you just turn them loose." Auburn had some talent, especially on the defensive front. Guys like Carl Lawson, Montrevious Adams, uh, Marlon Davidson, a true freshman, had a big season. They were really strong on the on the defensive front. Had a couple new position coaches make make a big difference, especially a linebacker, which has been a problem for Auburn in the last few years. That's another area where Steele works, you know, closely with the linebackers. Auburn didn't have a lot of experience there and played extremely well. Um, and I think Steele, it, it's a great credit to Steele. Auburn has never been, you know, anywhere close to you know top twenty, top thirty in scoring defense. Uh, since Tommy Tupperville left, and his last year was 08. This year, they're you know firmly in the top 10 in scoring defense, and a lot of it has to go to the work Kevin Steele has done, keeping things consistent on the defensive side of the ball, and letting his, letting his talent that Auburn's built up over the last few years. Uh, kind of just turn them loose in that defense. A couple of really cool notes as we get set for the Sugar Bowl. Coming up on uh, Monday's podcast, our post-Christmas edition, Toby sits down with the play-by-play voice of the Auburn Tigers. So we'll continue to get some more perspective on the Auburn Tigers as we prepare for the Sugar Bowl. 
A couple of notes. This is not obviously the first time that these two teams have played each other. Auburn and Oklahoma actually met in the Sugar Bowl 45 years ago when it was played at Tulane Stadium. In 1972, that was the season, OU got off to a 31-0 halftime lead, rolled to a 40-22 win, and there was a couple of interesting notes. The Sooners have only had two bowl game punt returns for touchdowns in the last 45 years and only three in its history. In that game, Joe Wiley registered the longest punt return for a touchdown in Sooner history as he returned to kick 71 yards for a touchdown. In 2014, now the Sooners played in the Sugar Bowl. They didn't play Auburn, obviously. They played Alabama. Trevor Knight had two completed passes over 40 yards. Keep this in mind. That tied the record that Sam Bradford held when in 2008 in the Fiesta Bowl. He had two passes for touchdowns over for our two passes that were received for over 40 yards. In 2014 on the receiving end, LeColton Bester and Jalen Saunders. By the way, OU is the only team to win two Sugar Bowls in the same calendar year. OU beat Auburn in the 1972 Sugar Bowl, which was played following the 71 season. That was on January 1st, 1972. And then beat Penn State in the 1972 Sugar Bowl, which was played on New Year's Eve. Just a little note, the Sooners actually fumbled the ball eight times in the Penn State game and lost five of them, but their defense held Penn State to only 11 first downs and 49-yard rushing. Oh, by the way, we mentioned the fumbles for the Sooners in that 72 game. How about Penn State? They fumbled the football six times and lost four of them. So a lot of history between Oklahoma and the Sugar Bowl. Not a ton between Oklahoma and Auburn. The two teams will go at it on January 2nd. We'll continue to get you prepared at Soonersports.tv. Practice reports start next week. In fact, uh, as part of our Thursday tailgate podcast next week, we'll take you to New Orleans. We'll hear from Jessica Cootie. She'll be anchoring the uh, practice reports. Chad McKee will be down there as well, too. Ryan Broyles, Ty Darlington, our Soonersports.tv crew will be watching every move the Sooners make as we prepare for Oklahoma and Auburn in the Sugar Bowl. And we appreciate from SEC Country Justin Ferguson coming on to give us some perspective on the Auburn Tigers. We mentioned it was an emotional week for the Sooner Nation as standout Sooner, kind of a, a, the, the face of a generation, Jimbo Elrod, passed away as he died in a tragic car accident. Jessica Cootie went digging through the archives and found some great interviews with Jimbo and shares a piece of that right now on the Sooner Sports Podcast. Like many young boys from the state of Oklahoma in the 1960s, Jimbo Elrod grew up a Sooner football fan, listening to games on the radio. A standout multi-sport athlete at East Central High School, his own name might have never been called on those radio broadcasts had his wrestling physique not caused doubts in his football ability. I was the 178-pound state champion wrestler, so I'm a 178-pound linebacker. The OSU recruiter coming into my house and telling my dad that he didn't think I was big enough to play football in the Big A. Obviously, the minute he said that, my dad told me to go to my room, and he escorted the Oklahoma State recruiter out, and then he goes, you're going to OU. So Norman is where he went, pledging to both the football and wrestling teams. In 1973, the no longer 178-pound linebacker was set to redshirt, but the injury bug would strike. And 10 days before the season opener, defensive coordinator Larry Lacewell decided Jimbo could provide much-needed help on the D-line. He jerked on the back of my jersey and 
told me, took me over to the defensive end drills and said, you need to try that. I believe because of my wrestling and my hand coordination and my footwork, it just made me perfect for that position. Somehow Lacewell saw that in film. And so 10 days before the opener in 73, I learned how to play defensive end. A move that ultimately paid off for all parties. During his junior season against Texas, Jimbo recovered a fumble by Longhorn star running back Earl Campbell, which set up the Sooners winning field goal. Oklahoma would beat Texas 16 to 13 and go on to run the table to claim a national title in 1974. A result that might have never happened had it not been for a halftime snack inside the Cotton Bowl. My routine before a game, I never would eat breakfast. I'd do my wrestling routine. I'd eat the night before, and when I got up, I would drink some hot tea and honey. But it got so hot that day, and I remember at halftime, I was starving, <laughs> and the game was like a war, it was. And I grabbed one of the trainers, and, and I said, I need a ham sandwich. I don't know why a ham sandwich came you know what? Came to the locker room, a ham sandwich. And uh, I ate that ham sandwich and was fine the second half. That's probably what won the game for us, right? Yeah, probably. <laughs> During his time as a Sooner, not only would he become a consensus All-American, but he would be a part of two football national championship teams. And it was after the win over Nebraska in 1975 when Oklahoma would punch a ticket back to the Orange Bowl that would help Jimbo recall just how special the teams were that he was a part of. Well, I got goosebumps just thinking about it. The oranges started raining on the field after we won the game. And that was pretty cool. I mean, it was just such a, a magical time. I, it's hard to explain to people how our chemistry was that you don't win every game. What were we? In the four years I was here, we were like 42-1-1. One one. Without chemistry with coaches and players together, you don't do that. <laughs> we, just, we just put it all together and had fun. James Whittington Elrod's life tragically ended on December 12, 2016. Since number 54 has fondly been remembered, for his role in an Oklahoma football renaissance era. It's the same admiration always felt by Jimbo that he was and forever will be a member of the Sooner family. The University of Oklahoma is just a bunch of tight-knit people from the 1900s to now. That, that red thin line runs through us all. Once you come here, I mean, you're here for the rest of your life. We'll have more memories of Jimbo Elrod. You can watch this piece. I urge everyone to jump online right now and do so at Soonersports.tv. So what a week it's been. I wanted to wrap up today by just placing here in the podcast a resource for you. Bob Stoops stood in front of the media and, asked, and answered every question asked when it came to the release of the Joe Mixon video. I thought he was classy. I thought he was honest. I thought he was great. And as we wrap up this pre-holiday edition of the Sooner Sports Podcast, here's Bob Stoops in his own words, every question answered on that saga. Guess just start off by addressing the uh, release of the uh, Joe uh, Mixon video in the restaurant, um, you know, in the middle of a altercation and in a reactionary moment, you know, strikes uh, 
has a horrible and wrong reaction. Um, and, you know, upon seeing that video, uh, the university and, and I uh, sat down and, and uh, you know, designed what we thought was uh, discipline, definitely uh, dealt out uh, immediate and significant, strong discipline uh, to Joe uh, with some options. Uh, one, uh, he was immediately removed from every team activity, locker room, everything what to, whatsoever to do with, uh, with the team for uh, an entire season, uh, along with um, uh, some stipulations uh, moving forward. If he, had, if he met those, he might have the road or an opportunity to rejoin the team. He was also immediately given a full release uh, to transfer anywhere that he might want to go. Uh, our, um, you know, our, what we, you know, came up with uh, discipline-wise, uh, I feel at the time, uh, two and a half years ago, we felt was significant. Um, and fault me if, if uh, believing that an 18-year-old uh, without prior violent situation whatsoever and an altercation had the wrong and horrible response that he did, that he might have an opportunity moving forward to redeem himself, improve from it, grow from it, and someday possibly be forgiven. Uh, that was the intention uh, if he chose uh, to come back, and that, that's what you know, we had hoped for. Um, it may be wrong in some eyes, in some people's eyes, to, get that, that to give a guy um, you know, an opportunity to come back. I think two and a half years ago, uh, some here, even some viewed the, the tape locally and thought it was fair or appropriate or to some degree um, it was, um, you know, significant penalty and discipline. Uh, two and a half years later, it's fair to say it isn't enough. And, and, that's, and that's positive in that that's the way the, the things have gone in the last two and a half years that really the only thing that's ever acceptable anymore is, is, is dismissal. Um, we didn't go that route two and a half years ago. Uh, again, thought that this young man uh, deserved an opportunity moving forward to have a chance to redeem himself and, and to grow out of it and to, to be positive out in the community. And, and um, that was the intention. Um, so again, if, if I'm at fault of something, it's hard to, to give up on these young men that I go in their, their, their homes and talk to their families and them about the opportunities to grow here at Oklahoma. And, um, and so again, for those who find that unacceptable, uh, I apologize uh, to those people. Uh, but also, again, I, I feel like Joe has moved ahead uh, in, a, in a very positive way. And, um, you know, and, and believe he's really grown and, and, and matured from it. It's been hard to see, I, I accept that uh, in that uh, he hasn't been able to be out uh, publicly for the most part, mainly because of the issues with civil suits moving forward and attorneys, which that timeline hasn't been very, worked very well uh, for his favor or ours. Uh, the other part of that is um, uh, we fully expected when we made our decision in regard to what Joe's discipline would be, uh, expected that video to be released within a week or two, three weeks uh, within that month. Um, we had no idea it would go uh, this, this long, and uh, that is out of our hands as well and has not been with the timeline of it all. It has not, you know, been, you know, worked very well for anybody. 
but again, uh, those were the intentions. Um, you know, when, when we first encountered this two and a half years ago and have worked uh, past it, and it just, again, comes back to stage uh, with the release of the video here in the last few days. Uh, but again, it's something that was dealt with uh, 28, I guess, or 29 months ago. Your reaction when you, uh, you first saw it? It, it was horrible. Um, I hated it. Uh, dislike what just just as much as is hated it as much as anybody did. Absolutely. Since you since you made the decision and Joe made the decision to stay, from that point to now, is there anything you'd like you wish you could have done different, or would you anything you'd like to have seen Joe do different? Well. Um, I think as much as anything, what would have been positive if he was allowed to have to speak uh, the last two years and people get to know the person that he is. And, uh, you know, and again, for legal reasons and, you know, we could be at fault to some degree as well. It just hasn't worked. But, um, you know, that and, and I wish the video had been released immediately because, again, uh, the world's a different place two and a half years later. And that's positive. I'm 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 there. Is there any consideration of part of Joe staying on the team that ultimately Joe released the video? You have to release the video before you can get back. Uh, again, I, I don't know what the, the, the legal ramifications are of that with his you know, lawyers and everybody else dealing with it. Are you saying that, um, just to clarify, Bob, are you saying that if, if this had occurred now as opposed to two and a half years ago, you would have come to a different conclusion? I think that is fair to say because... Well, uh, yes, I, I, I do believe I would. What would that, what would that have been? Well, again, I, I, and now it, as things two and a half years later, dismissal is really the only thing that's possible. And a young guy ha having an opportunity to rehabilitate and, and uh, to have some kind of discipline and come back from, from it is really not there anymore. And, uh, and, and so, um, you know, and that hopefully those, that message goes down even to the high school level that, that um, you know, these things are, you know, just unacceptable to any degree and there's no recovering, I guess, is the, you know, it's never, it has been acceptable. What I'm saying, there's no recovering uh, from these incidents really anymore. That, I mean, that sounds like a zero tolerance policy. Is well, it, 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 and it really has been, you know, uh, for the last, you know, it, you know, that's how we've been operating and, and truth be told too, I think in the past there was some due process and you know two three four years ago that people went through and if it was deemed innocent or not you know nothing there then then you can move forward and really that doesn't work anymore and anymore if, if there's you know if there's any um, you know any cloud whatsoever or possibility that this may have happened you know the you know we're going in a different direction. I spoke to uh, Brenda, yes, a uh, few days ago, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk again. She, she suggested that she would like to be, she'd like OU to sort of take, you've got the chance to sort of step out and be a leader in this issue, considering what you've come through. Is that something you'd be interested in? I sure, I, 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 program. Yeah, I, I, again, I, I believe, you know, we can do that. Um, I look forward to, you know, hearing again from Brenda and, and I'm sure our, you know, university administration will, our athletic department will as well. But uh, so, you know, hopefully that can happen. Well, when you 
met with Joe and David President Boren about the punishment. How long did you guys deliberate? And I, I, I don't, it wasn't long, but um, you know we we were fairly swift in in what we felt. You know the you know the discipline you know would be. Decision made. Uh, just on my recommendation. We're aware of the uh, terms of his, his legal plea, uh, the, the, ser the service he had, to, or the, I guess, uh, behavioral counseling he was, he was uh, forced to, or agreed to undergo. Can you give us any insight into anything further the university required of him in, in that regard? Stipulation for his remaining. Oh, just uh, there were, uh, I, I'll have to get a list of it, counseling, there were community service hours, counseling, um, grade issues, um, you know, and obviously, you know, behavior issues. Community service and counseling, was that on top of what he had to do legally? Yes. I, I believe so, but I'll find that out. You mentioned that dismissal would be the only option for a guy in your program, but what about guys you're recruiting? Uh, if they have any kind of a problem in their past, will you be more hesitant to bring guys in? Absolutely, uh, and, and have been actually in the last couple of years. Um, that has happened, and we have uh, dropped or ceased recruiting anytime we've found an issue. You mentioned grade issues. Was he expected to, you know, have a higher GPA than the rest of the students? No, it was just more uh, conduct in class, class, uh, you know, attendance, and just that he's putting forth the effort that needs to, you know, that needed to, yeah, we felt was positive enough. Criticism that if he was even a three-star kid, that it, it wouldn't have been worth your trouble. Yeah, I, I understand where people come with that, but let's, let's remember that he had not played a down uh, here when this all occurred and when we made the discipline. And we've had plenty of four- and five-star guys not amount to a whole lot here through the years. So, um, you know, Samaje came in and gained about 1,800 yards that year. So. In the end, I, you know, I understand where people come with that, but, um, but again, I, I, I believe in young, these young men we recruit, and maybe to a fault in, to some degree, and, uh, but I, I, and I believe most coaches do. And, uh, and, but again, you know, here, here we are two and a half years later, and, it, and uh, you can't really do that anymore. Nixon's future, his draft stock, if you believe the analysts, plummeting. Is this more likely that he, he might come back and, and play another year? You know, I don't, I don't know that any of us know that at this point. Uh, I, don't, I mean, Joe, Joe hasn't made that determination. I'm sure that's something that he'll consider, you know, after the bowl game and what he, you know, what he feels his future needs to be. You said you, you assumed that the tape would be released not long after July 2014, and you wished it had, had to been. Now we're 28 months later. Does this thing finally start to get to move to a resolution or some sort of? Hopefully, it seems like we've just had a cloud over the. Whole I, I, I agree with you. Um, you know, people haven't been able to see. You know, to 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 really, you know, see what Joe as a person is really like, and uh, as well as we've all ha had to talk around it. You know, and what you're able to say or not, and what the legal, you know, their legal representation back and forth. Um, you know, uh, so hopefully, uh, we can start you know, to move in that direction. Did you guys, again, ever talk about, because it seemed like once the incident, you knew, or every, I think everybody understood the civil suit was probably going to be part of this, that part of keeping him meant you were going to have to deal with lawyers and things like that. Did you and Joe and President Warren ever talk about that when you were figuring out what his punishment would be? 
No, uh, you know, I can't say that what his representation, what that was going to mean uh, was, was part of what we were, you know, what we felt his discipline needed to be. Bob, going back to recruiting, how much do you think this will be a top of, topic of conversation in living rooms going forward? Well, again, um, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. Um, again, I, I, I do believe, um, you know, we've got the right steps in place now, you know, as we move forward. And, um, you know, we've, we've probably had as positive and, and clean a two years as we've had off the field issues across the board that we've had since I've been here. So, you know, so it is positive moving forward. Joe was removed from the team for, for that, that, that year, but the, the, in October, I think, he was seen at a pep rally with the, with the team. Um, I'm just curious as to how, how removed yeah, he, was he just Yeah, he just came and it was told he, he shouldn't be there. Did that happen in? It happened just because he heard about it and went and forgot what you know that what our punishment meant meant not being with the team and and uh, actually I believe was told to leave. Bob, can you go in more into uh, you, you said earlier that if this happened today that that dismissal would be the only way to go? Can you go into more why you feel that way now and uh, versus two and a half years ago when this first happened? Again, uh, two and a half years ago, uh, you know, going through all this, I think what was taken into consideration too were all the factors leading up to it, the entire altercation. And, um, you know, so, and, and thought we had a significant penalty and strong penalty. But, um, you know, now it isn't enough. You know, you, you, these individuals cannot have a second chance uh, because of the, there's too much, uh, you know, it's just not acceptable. They know it anymore. You know, we've been told enough. And uh, there's more, there are more uh, we have more meetings and, and things of that nature that, you know, that instruct and, and let them know what appropriate behavior is and isn't and what the consequences are, as well as we do it at an earlier time. Uh, I used to have those, I used to have those meetings around two-a-days and when the team's back. Now they're the first things we do in the first few days when, when anyone comes to our campus. You know, that's just, for instance, some of the measures we've taken that and why that will not be, you know, there will be zero tolerance for it. Did you watch the video of his police interview or read a story about it? Because I'm curious if that's what he told, what he told you happened is what he told police happened. I've read, uh, I've read it to, to not at length, but I've, I've, for the most part, I've read, you know, what, what you're talking about. Is that what Joe told you back in July 2000? Yes. Did you see, how many videos did you and, and Boren and Joe see, see? Did you just see the one just video? Just the one. You didn't see the other two that have come out in recent weeks? I don't believe so. I've been around Joe for five days since the video came out. What's his demeanor been like? He's been really down, uh, you know, for sure. Um, you know, he's deeply affected by it and knew he would be. Um, we all have been. And uh, so, uh, you know, but his teammates are picking him up and, and uh, he's been a great teammate to them. So uh, they're, they're giving it back to him. Would you be in favor of him publicly uh, re re 
reverting back to the incident, apologizing. I know he's apologized in, in a real Yes, state. Joe wants to do that, and I, I believe that'll come. Um, again, I, the, now, that, now that all the other issues, civil issues, seem to be cleared up, he wants to do that. So we need to, we need to do that. Your, your name has been connected to this as much as Joe Mixon's has now, as, as David's, as uh, Joe's has been. Uh, how does it make you feel to know that this is going to be connected to your legacy and that Oklahoma football is going to be associated with that tape indefinitely? Yeah, it's, uh, that's part of it. I, I, I knew that when, uh, you know, two and a half years ago. Uh, but in the end, uh, if you, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to just dismiss it and or, or you know remove a guy and and head on down the road but in the end too i may again may may have too strong a commitment to these guys that i recruit but uh um but i always have and and believe in them and i believe in a, at that time a young 18 year old deserved an opportunity to to redeem himself and to improve from it and to someday possibly be forgiven and if that can't happen it can't happen you know, but that was the that was the intent. Back at the decision now, do you think that it implicitly condoned violence against women in some way that he was allowed to stay here and, and rejoin the team? Well, again, I, I don't. Hopefully not. Uh, but in the end, I'm sure to some degree it does, and I regret that. Uh, but in the end, at the time, we felt you know it was significant and strong punishment. Again, some people that that have seen the entire thing at, at that time agreed you know and others didn't I, I understand that and I always knew that that would be you know something that everybody would debate Bob you said you wanted to give him a, an opportunity to redeem himself how much was your confidence shaken in him when he had the incident with the uh, parking lot attendant? yeah it was uh, it was unfortunate uh, and uh, you know we talked about it and and uh, it's unacceptable you know so uh, um, that hasn't been what we've seen here, you know, for three years. You said he had zero tolerance uh, when this first happened, this incident. He would be back on a zero tolerance basis. Clearly, that didn't cross that threshold. What what would cross the threshold where? Well, you, you know, it's you can name a, a variety of things. I I can't sit here and and go through what might and might not be, you know. So. So you weren't sure what he was going to do. Is it worth suggesting that it's in? The interest of both parties to, to hit for him to move on and, and you guys to, in a sense, move on and, and sort of separate from the, if you can, separate from the, sort of make, make way without each other? Well, again, that's, that's to be considered, sure. Back to, to, to Joe, pub, publicly speaking, um, it, would that come soon? Uh, possibly. Possibly. So, you well, I, we, we've talked about it, yeah. Uh, Bob, you said that uh, what he told you was consistent with what's on that video. I'm curious if you had talked to the other guys that were around that night, Mark Andrews and a couple others, Micaiah, about that before you made the decision uh, on punishment. Yeah, it's I can't I didn't detail or write everything down that each guy said, but it was very similar to what, you know, what Joe had had to say. Joe, Joe, Joe seemed walking away after the incident happened, and uh, I, I might be wrong, but it looked like in the video some of the guys, some of the teammates, some of his teammates, walked out as well. Are you disappointed that they didn't 
maybe have a different reaction to, to what happened there? Uh, sure, but uh, it's also maybe fair to say that that some were already were attending to that person um, ahead of them. But, you know, again, it's hard to tell what a reaction is going to be in an instant. Well, there you have it, the Sooner Sports Podcast. I hope everyone has a great holiday weekend. We will be back on Monday as Toby Rowland sits down with the play-by-play voice of the Auburn Tigers. Everyone have a great Christmas weekend, man. My favorite time of the year, but can't wait to get after it next week as we continue the countdown to Oklahoma and Auburn in the Sugar Bowl and the start of Big 12 basketball for both the men's and women's team. Have a great weekend. We'll be back on Monday, and until then, Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air.